Fire Lily, Our Common Ground, an Avatar fic, written by Stardust Steel, read by Dr. Fumbles McStupid. Summary. Zuko's stubbornness about the whole assassination thing was actually pretty funny, to be honest. Until one time, the assassin got way too close. And then it wasn't funny anymore. Or, Sokka and Azula bond over their mutual desire to keep Zuko alive, post-canon. Notes. Inspired by Where the Stars Do Not Take Sides, by Witch of Endor. I'm Stardust Steel on Tumblr. Come say hi. I need more Zuko and Zuka fans to chat with. All you need to know in this alternate universe is that Azula loves Zuko in a dysfunctional way, enough that she turns against Ozai and allies with them on the day of the comet to bring the Fire Lord down. Trigger warnings for implied sexual assault as an attempt at intimidation. Also, would anyone be interested in joining Azuka Discord? Let me know. I am thinking of starting one up. You and I, we have one thing in common. In the hours preceding Ozai's defeat before Zuko's coronation, Azula sought out her brother. It was fairly easy to find him. All she had to do was follow the colorful little cluster that was the Avatar and his little friends. They were all sitting or sprawled in various states around Zuko. The entire group still buzzed with a nervous kind of energy, despite the war being officially declared over some hours ago. Azula spared a moment to feel irritated at their presence. In the time she and Zuko had been apart, working together from afar to bring down Ozai from his rule, her socially awkward brother had apparently found himself an entire family, consisting of brats from other nations. Azula couldn't explain the weird tingly feeling in her chest when she saw the protective circle around Zuko, but she really didn't like it. At least they were all fairly decent fighters. Azula had witnessed several of them battle Ozai and his army, and could begrudgingly admit that they were brave and skilled warriors. Her dumb brother had chosen wisely for once. The blind girl in green turned her head towards Azula as she approached, but otherwise made no comments. The Water Tribe boy, she vaguely remembered him from when she'd helped them break out from the boiling rock, fighting by Zuko like a shadow, acknowledged her with a nod of his head, and that was that. Well, Azula had expected more hostility. It was a wonder they were all still alive. Zuko was moving through a familiar kata, one she recognized from when they were children that he always reverted to when he was anxious about something. Her brother was so predictable. Azula opted to stand back and observe Zuko for a bit. He was breathing far too quickly for a kata this simple. She knew Zuko had improved, She'd seen him fight just hours ago, after all, seen the flickering rainbow colors of his flames, knew there was a story there to unpack. But right then, his motion was hindered with telltale signs of injury. When it became too painful to watch such a simple kata being butchered, Azula cleared her throat loudly. 
Zuko started and lost the little flame in his palm, a clear sign that something was off. Azula knew even her dumb brother was better than that, and turned towards her. Azula! Zuko's eyes were open windows of happiness. He'd never been good at keeping his emotion hidden. I didn't see you there. And I haven't seen you this bad at Akata since your last Agni Kai, and you were half blind. The Avatar minions all tensed in various ways, but Zuko didn't react, didn't even flinch. Azula was vaguely impressed. Good. He'd need that medal in the next few weeks after his coronation. She raised an eyebrow. Come on, Zuzu. Don't tell me you're nervous. Zuko scowled, but he didn't deny it. The little waterbender at his far left looked like she was very ready to throw hands. Interesting. At least this group seemed protective of her brother. You're so stupid, Zuzu, Azula said, watching as her brother's shoulders drew up around himself. How unbecoming of a fire lord. You've been smart-mouthing father's generals since you were barely thirteen. What's the difference now? At least you won't get your face melted off for it this time. It felt like the whole room had tensed at her words. Azula wondered just how much, or how little, this group of people knew about Zuzu's scar. Should she have not mentioned it? Why did she even care? But Zuko ignored them all and kept his gaze on her. You're right, he said softly. Azula rolled her eyes. This softness just wouldn't do. It's just... With what I plan to do, there are going to be many people who aren't happy for me to take over Fa... Ozai's rule. Both siblings ignored the slip-up. Stop being so silly, Azula ordered. You're about to become the Fire Lord and you got there fairly. With more honor than father ever did. Act like it. Her brother's smile shouldn't make her feel as warm as it did. Thanks, Azula. The Water Tribe boy shrugged. Strangest pep talk ever, but hey, if it works. He smiled widely at Azula. Welcome to the group. You're a royal jerk bunderess number two. Sokka! Zuko squawked at the same time as Azula said, Excuse you, I am number one. Water Tribe peasant. Sokka laughed. The small blind girl smirked. Oh, I like this one. Azula narrowed her eyes. Well, it isn't mutual. The girl's size didn't fool her. Being a girl herself, she knew how dangerous they could be. The girl shrugged. Well, she mimicked, I don't care. Zuko ran a hand through his hair, causing some strands to fall further onto his forehead. That wouldn't do for a fire lord. Azula frowned, wondering if she should fix it. Toph, Azula, please, can you two not kill each other within the first few minutes? Relax, Zuzu. I'm more generous than that. I'll give it more than a few minutes, Azula said, at the same time as Toph said. Relax, Sparky. Your heart beats faster than it usually is, and that's saying something. Sparky? Heartbeat? Azula filed that away as information to turn over later, and smiled with all her teeth. Zuko looked between them, then at the ground like he wanted it to swallow him up. Never mind, I know when to pick my battles. No, you don't, Azula said. Yeah, you really, really don't, the Water Tribe boy agreed, then grinned at her. Zuko scowled at all of them. Stop ganging up against me! At least his attention was successfully diverted from the coronation, which was Azula's original goal, so mission accomplished. Sokka had thought that the showdown with loser Lord Ozai would be the end of it. The war was over. They were all miraculously alive. Zuko was Fire Lord now. 
There was no one else Sokka would trust with that title. And somehow, even Zuko's murderous little sister, who would have been a very big problem in terms of succession, had defected to their side. So all should be going swimmingly well now, right? In hindsight, he'd been stupid to think so. The battle, the actual war, was just the beginning. As the Water Tribe ambassador to the Fire Nation, Sokka spent a lot of time with the new jerkbender Fire Lord, and so was privy to the exact goings-on of the Fire Nation palace, more than the rest of the gang. On the one hand, it meant he and Zuko got to share truly hilarious inside jokes, even at truly important political meetings. On the other hand, it meant he was privy to news Zuko didn't necessarily want anyone else to hear. Zuko, buddy, that's the ninth assassination attempt in two months, Sokka said one night, after said ninth assassination attempt in two months. Don't you think it's time to step up your security? Zuko looked up from the scroll he had been perusing, his golden gaze as startling as ever. No. Sokka made a frustrated sound. Why not? What are you waiting for? A written invitation? No. Zuko shrugged. I can handle it. But what if one day you can't? Sokka argued. They'd had this conversation before, many times and in multiple forms, from beside the Turtle Deck Pond to the hallways of the Caldera Palace. The score so far was very much Sokka zero, Zuko all. But Sokka had always been a trier. Suki and the Kyoshi warriors are more than ready to be of service. The Kyoshi warriors have far more important things to do than babysit the new Fire Lord Sokka, especially when he doesn't need babysitting. Zuko, Sokka let out a huff. You know, if I even dropped a hint to Toph or Katara or Aang or, or Uncle, you wouldn't. You know they'd back me up. Sokka knew he'd struck gold when Zuko started looking panicked. Sokka, you can't tell the others. Aha! Sokka pointed a paintbrush at him. You don't want me to tell them because you know they'll agree with me, so you know I'm right about this. No, it's not that. The levity between them dropped for a moment as Zuko's golden gaze turned serious, almost desperate. Sokka, please listen to me. Uncle's just settling down in the peaceful tea shop life he wanted. Toph has her metal-bending academy. Aang's the avatar. He has a lot of matters to attend to, and better places to be. And you know Katara will follow wherever he goes. She's got her hands full as the only female waterbending master, too. They all have so much to do, so many bright things in their future, and I don't... I don't want protecting me to be the reason they stop. That was what he said, but what Sokka heard, loud and clear between them, was, I don't want to be a burden. Hey, Sokka said, you know you're not a burden, right? We'd all drop everything in a moment just to make sure you're safe, not because you can't handle it, but because we care about you a lot. Zuko was flushing lightly. Um, yeah. Zuko mumbled, his voice strained, uncomfortable, and confused as always when someone showed him some kindness, and it made Sokka want to go hunt down Ozai and kick his butt all over again. Then Zuko looked directly up at Sokka, and his eyes turned pleading. And okay, yeah, that was playing dirty, because Sokka's always been weak for that look. Please, Sokka, they don't need to know about this. I can handle it. I am handling it. Sokka rubbed his forehead. That much was kind of true, to be fair. Between him and Zuko, none of the assassination attempts had come even close. I'm advising you in my capacity as the Water Tribe ambassador, not as a friend. Step up your security. And I'm answering you in my position as the Fire Lord. I'll be fine. Zuko, Sokka said exasperatedly, 
You are the king of bad decisions. You know that. Yeah. Instead of looking insulted, Zuko shrugged. His smile was a self-deprecating one that made Sokka want to punch himself. So, what's one more? Sokka exhaled. He tried a different tack. What's Azula got to say about the whole thing? She's pretty protective of you, as much as she pretends not to be. Zuko smiled slightly with that warmth that only came to him when his murderous little sister was mentioned. It made Sokka almost jealous. But sibling love was different. Look at him and Katara. And Sokka was trying to be an adult about the whole thing, and all that. She's only slightly less naggy than you about it. Sokka gasped dramatically, because Zuko loved melodramatic shenanigans, like all those plays he loved to watch. And Sokka loved humoring Zuko, so... How dare you! I do not nag. You do. Sokka continued to sigh dramatically. You have grievously wounded me. How will I ever recover from this injustice? You'll live, Zuko deadpanned, but his lips were twitching, and his eyes were lively again, and Sokka resolved to continue the conversation another time. Until then, he might need an ally. You and I, we have one thing in common. We both care about Zuko. Hey, jerkbender princess. Sokka said to Azula the next day, as they watched Zuko. I need your advice on something. Azula raised an eyebrow. That might have been enough to terrify Sokka once. Little sisters were scary. Look at Katara. But watching Azula turn against Ozai on the day of the comet had helped him figure some things out. First, that she was a leader and a fighter first and foremost. Had a strategic mind. She desired efficiency, and she was very ready to render anyone who wanted to hurt Zuko very dead. So hey! They had some things in common. Good enough reason for an alliance. You know as well as I do that Zuko has a bit of a penchant for getting himself hurt, Sokka said carefully. Azula's fractionally widening eyes told him she was not expecting this conversation, so it was time to wing it. How do we help your self-destructive brother not get himself killed in the first two weeks of being Fire Lord? We kill everyone else first, Azula responded promptly. Sokka laughed, then sputtered when he realized that she was possibly being serious. Um, no, 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 no. Let's not do that, he backtracked hastily. Any other ideas? We kill him first, before anyone else does it. Sokka was about to respond exactly how crappy he thought that idea was, when he caught the little quirk of Azula's lips. It was eerily similar enough to Zuko's face when he was messing with Sokka. That was when he came to the abrupt, bizarre realization that she was playing with him, albeit with a distinct lack of malice. Well, Sokka was well adept at verbal battles, and he could give it right back, thank you very much. Something a lot less violent, and a lot more sneaky, Sokka said. Come on, I heard you're supposed to be the smart sibling. Azula scowled at him. Sokka crowed internally. He'd gotten her. If you knew anything at all about Zuzu, you'd know that he will run headlong into the first sign of trouble. Yeah, probably with the most dramatic entry possible. Sokka agreed. Zuko's brave and an idiot. Not the best combination for a young Fire Lord with lots of enemies. How do we keep him alive? He's refusing to even consider added security. Azula looked at Sokka like he was stupid. Of course he is, she said tartly. He is the Fire Lord, the representation of Agni in this world. Our people wouldn't trust, much less respect, a Fire Lord who needed to be protected like a baby, especially if the guards are outsiders. The Kiyoshi warriors are a neutral party, Sokka interjected. 
Azula scoffed. Not to the Fire Nation nobility. To them, it looks like my dear traitor brother came swooping in to overthrow the previous Fire Lord and usurp every last noble position with an outsider's face. Dear Zuzu is probably trying to minimize the possibility of mutiny. Well, when put like that... Zuko's action had a tiny bit of sense. Sokka ground his teeth. Why couldn't he have just told me this? Your brother is an awful communicator. He really, really hadn't meant for the words to come out sounding so fond. Azula's sharp smile was a little too sharp, a little too shrewd, and much too knowing for Sokka's liking. Zuko's stubbornness about the whole assassination thing was actually pretty funny, to be honest. What in Tweenlaw's name do you think you're doing? Sokka shouted at Zuko, who was currently on the roof, facing off three would-be assassins. Handling a problem, Zuko answered, because he was a smartass. Sokka was about to tell him so in much less flattering words, but then it was too late, because the smartass Fire Lord was jumping off the rooftop like a self-sacrificing idiot with a death wish. Zuko! Ugh! Sokka was going to kill him if someone else didn't first. After assassination attempt number Sokka's lost count, the guards seemed to have caught on that their new Fire Lord, unlike all the other Fire Lords before him, had somewhat of a death wish. The meeting chamber was burning. Everyone was scrambling, and a guard ordered, Protect the Fire Lord! The Fire Lord doesn't need protection. Zuko snapped, Protect the people! No, no! Sokka countered loudly. As he fixed Zuko's lopsided little crown thing, The Fire Lord does so need protection, the people are safe! The Avatar is looking after them. Sokka, do not listen to the idiot Fire Lord with a death wish. Sokka, stop. The newer guards looked on with uncertainty as their Fire Lord bickered with their Water Tribe ambassador in the midst of chaos. Zuko's stubbornness about the whole assassination thing was actually pretty funny, to be honest. Until one time, they got way too close. And then it wasn't funny anymore. Ever since Sokka had trained under Pianato, he rarely felt helpless, despite being a non-bender. Some of the non-benders he knew were also the best fighters he knew, but right then he dearly wished he could bend. Sokka struggled against the bands of iron clamped to his limbs. The scene that was unfolding in front of him made him sick to his stomach. Their assassin this time, Tezuka, Sokka had gathered his name, was a creep with an obsession over Zuko. The problem was, he was hellishly strong, and had actually managed to catch Zuko and Sokka in an unguarded moment, and now they were in trouble. Pretty, pretty princey, creepy assassin guy sang. Oh, Fire Lord, I finally have you right where I want you. His fingers trailed down Zuko's left cheek, traced the outline of his scar. Even here, Sokka could see the shudder that worked up Zuko's spine as he tried to glare defiance at his captor. Sokka had seen those lines of tension in Zuko before, knew it meant trouble, knew it meant that Zuko was afraid, and just one breath away from lashing out in anger to cover his fear. Old Man Crazy didn't miss the shudder and began to giggle. <laughs> oh, is Princey getting nervous? He brought his face closer. Zuko flinched away uncharacteristically, a muffled sound escaping him as the man caressed his burned skin. You don't have to. I'll take good care of you. Sokka could only begin to imagine what kind of memories having someone touch his face was stirring up. Stop it, you sicko! Sokka's shout, as expected, had no effect. The creepy guy grinned sideways at him, still stroking Zuko's face. 
Is this your boyfriend? Yes, conversationally, trailing one finger below Zuko's chin before cupping his right cheek. No, and even if he was, that's none of your business. Zuko spat at him, but his eyes were wide and his voice cracked. Tezuko looked consideringly at Zuko, then grinned. Oh, but it is my interest, my pretty. He whispered against Zuko's skin, causing another tremor. Let's give him a show, shall we? He brushed his lips against Zuko's, then drew back with a yell when the boy bit him. You! Stop touching me! Zuko spit out, even as his body trembled visibly. For a moment, Sokka was afraid for him, as old man Crazy's eyes flashed, but then the anger left as quickly as it came, and the guys started to laugh. Oh, I do love the fiery ones, he cooed. Zuko tried to bite him again. Tezuko only laughed harder. Pretty, pretty thing. So pretty. So damaged. Sokka couldn't bear watching Zuko flinch from what he'd long suspected were long-hidden insecurities. He is not damaged, he shouted. Ah, but he is. A beautiful, broken, royal boy. This time, Tezuka placed his lips upon the leathery skin of Zuko's left side, kissing it with a perverse sort of gentleness. Sokka struggled anew. Zuko wouldn't like that. He would hate that. Zuko didn't deserve that. Zuko did shudder then, a full-body shudder with his eyes squeezed shut as he tried to squirm away, but Tezuka's fingers had him trapped. They all whisper about how strong the crown prince is. Because of this. Tezuka murmured, caressing Zuko's scar with his lips. He squeezed Zuko's neck lightly, the threat clear. Zuko gasped. I wonder, would you sing for me if I gave you a matching scar? Sokka struggled against the rocks. Zuko didn't deserve someone touching him like this. Where was Toph when you needed her? Go on, then. Stupid Zuko challenged, even as his voice cracked. Because he was an idiot crown prince who didn't know when to shut up, and Sokka loved him so much for that undying fiery streak, but also wanted to kill him a million times when they get out of this. But all thought of throttling Zuko himself came to a halt, because Tezuka was smiling with perverse affection. Then he was gripping Zuko's face with one hand, lifting a burning palm in the other, and then... Zuko was shrieking, his voice high and terrified and so damn young. Sokka shouted, shouted because he was so useless. The air crackled. Zuko sounded like he was dying, and... Tuyinla, please let me get to Zuko, please! Then a familiar deadly arc of blue hit Tezuka straight in the neck. A feminine voice screamed bloody murder, and the fighting began full on. His face was on fire. Zuko. Hands were reaching towards him, and Zuko scrambled away because he didn't... He didn't want... No. Father, please. Something loomed, and Zuko couldn't breathe because everything was too warm. I am your loyal son. Please, don't burn me. It hurts. I'll do better. Please, please, please. Oh, Zuko. They didn't sound mad, but father didn't have to be mad to burn him, and they were getting closer, and Zuko whimpered but held himself still, because father hated cowards more than anything else, and Zuko wouldn't run from the fire in. Please, he begged. I'll be better, father. I promise. It was so hard to breathe. Everything was swimming, and the skin of his face was agony. Please don't burn me anymore. Guys, give him some space. Sokka, he's moving too much. I need to heal. Just knock him out already, you idiots. Their voices were familiar, but Zuko's vision was blurry and he couldn't breathe. No! Warm, not on fire, arms wrapped around him, and it felt gentle, 
but father had been gentle even as he burned half of Zuko's face. No! Zuko twisted, trying to get away. No, please, father, not again, please, it hurts! This is going to hurt a little less, Zuzu. A burst of pain bloomed somewhere at the back of his neck, and Zuko was gone. It wasn't supposed to be this way. After the war, their whole team was supposed to be okay, to get back some semblance of peace. Sokka stared at Zuko's still-bandaged face and felt something in his chest break. Is he going to be okay? He asked Katara quietly, his eyes never leaving Zuko's. They'd been so, so very lucky that Aang and Katara had been en route to Caldera for a surprise visit, El Zuko would have had to live with an entirely fresh set of burns on his face. Physically, yes. I got the worst of the scarring, Katara sighed. Mentally, I don't know Sokka. Her voice grew quiet. I've never seen him like that. The new Fire Lord looked strangely washed out, his pale skin a stark contrast against the silk-red bedsheets of the Royal Infirmary. Short bangs fell against surprisingly long lashes. Impulsively, Sokka reached out to sweep Zuko's bangs to the side. His fingers rested lightly against the right side of Zuko's face. Barely a couple of hours ago, the skin there had been an angry, blistering red under Tezuka's flaming hands. Abruptly, Sokka found himself wishing that Azula hadn't already made Tezuka extremely dead, because Sokka wanted his own shot at the bastard. There was, however, another bastard Sokka wanted to take a shot at, and he was still very alive. Sokka's hands fisted in his bedsheets. I didn't think it was possible to think any less of him. What? Too late he realized what that had sounded like. Katara's voice held the sharpness she had when defending people she cared about. Sokka! Not Zuko! Sokka backtracked quickly. Come on, Katara! I meant Ozai! Oh. Katara exhaled her anger, fleeing as quickly as it had come. Something far more steely took its place. You know what I'm talking about, Sokka said. Katara nodded, because they both knew. It was becoming clearer now why Zuko always had a strained look when his father was mentioned. Why he always flinched from Sokka's dad, when Hakoda had never so much as raised his voice to him. Why Zuko was always far more comfortable with being hated, but never seemed to know what to do with being loved. I want to pay him a visit. Katara shifted beside him. I want to go with you, she said. I might need some bloodbending practice. Sokka looked up at his sweet, loving sister and saw how her eyes glinted with the promise of murder. Sure, why not? Azula was convinced a storm was lurking under her skin. In the days after Tezuka's assassination attempt, when Zuko was all pale and still in the infirmary, Azula felt like she was losing her mind again. Frying Tezuka into sizzling human meat did nothing to assuage the relentless. She wanted to hunt somebody down, kill something, hurt someone so badly they would stop talking. And that was why Azula knew she would never see herself as a good person, even though she was on the so-called good side. Because unlike her stupid soft brother, Azula had no qualms about killing those who hurt the people she cared about. Because she cared about Zuko, and it had taken fourteen years of Ozai's manipulations to realize. So she'd stayed far, far away from the palace. Whatever tightness that had been curling in Azula's chest finally eased a little when, two weeks after Tezuka's little assault, she found her brother and his waterbender friend by the turtle duck pond he was so fond of. Azula had never understood why Zuko loved the stupid turtle duck so much. They were useless, pathetic creatures who couldn't even fly. They were only good as raw ingredients for fire flakes. 
but even she had to admit the sight of Zuko with his hair loose from its top knot, a turtle duck sitting on his head where the crown would normally be, made her insides feel all funny. It was almost... cute. Azula. Zuko looked up at her in surprise, or rather, tried to. He lifted his head just enough that the turtle duck wouldn't fall off. It was absolutely ridiculous and unbecoming of a fire lord. But then, her idiot brother had never been one to follow tradition. His smile was dim, but it was there. I've been looking everywhere for you. Where have you been? Azula ran a critical eye over her brother, eyes lingering where a new burn scar would have marred his face had it not been for the quick healing hands of the waterbender peasant. Okay, Azula could call her Katara now. She did save her idiot brother from having yet another physical reminder of horrible memories. So his face was fine, almost perfectly normal in the half-disfigurement that their dear father had condemned it to. But Azula didn't miss the way he stayed a careful distance away from everyone around him, the way his hands trembled slightly as he handled the turtle ducks, the way Sokka hovered around him protectively, but never getting too close into Zuko's personal space, like he'd never cared before. Azula had grown up taunting her brother for his every insecurity, whittling away at every piece. She knew exactly what the look in those eyes meant. Really? Azula asked nobody in particular. I really have to be the one to do this. You don't have to do anything. Her stupid, ever-soft brother answered automatically, at the same time as the Water Tribe boy asked, Do what? Azula sighed. Everyone was so stupid. All right, Zuzu, we're going for a spar. What? Katara snapped. No, he needs to rest. Azula flashed her teeth at the waterbender. We, she drew out the word like the weapon it was, are going for a spar. None of them could hope to understand the significance of this moment, but Zuko did in an instant. It was the first time they would spar, not as siblings pitted against each other, but as equals. His eyes flitted between Azula and the blade she held out, the same blade she'd seen him favor when sparring with Sokka. Azula set the terms. No fire, just you, me, and the blades. When Zuko hesitated, she rolled her eyes and let out a tittering laugh. Come on, Zuzu, she wheedled. Your baby sister finally wants to socialize, like you've been pestering her to, in the only way she knows how. Are you really going to deny her? Zuko glared at her, the effect somewhat diminished by the turtle duck on his head. Azula smirked. He knew full well she was manipulating him but he reached for the blades anyway. Stupid soft brother. Stupid soft brother, who held himself much more loosely at the tail end of their spar. Azula looked up at him from where the blades were crossed at her neck. Zuko was sweating, his pale skin flushed with a little more color. It was a good look on him, Azula decided. Whatever the little healer on the team wanted to say, Zuko had to get up and moving again, even if it wasn't using fire yet. They were both born and bred to be fighters. His eyes also looked a little less haunted than before, so Azula would count this as her victory. Moving slowly, she tapped one nail against the cross swords. Zuko immediately lowered it, giving way without resistance. I give, she said. You win. Zuko blinked at her in shock. Azula supposed it was understandable. She'd never admitted to defeat before, even when it was clear she was losing. What? Don't look so smug, Zuzu, she scoffed. I'll win next time. Zuko's brows furrowed. You won easy on me, he accused. I didn't, Azula said truthfully, wrinkling her nose. She hadn't gone very hard. 
They were no longer Ozai's puppets trying to kill each other, after all. But she hadn't gone easy either. What do you take me for? You know me better than that. Azula moved her hand, intending to give him a patronizing pat on the cheek. She remembered to check herself, just as Zuko flinched away. Right. There was still that. She settled to pat his shoulder instead. Sokka was suddenly there between the both of them, keeping a respectful distance away from Zuko, which put him closer to Azula. Well, could I just say how glad we are that you two turned to the good side? The water tribe boy laughed. It didn't sound forced. Sokka looked at her. Azula didn't miss the grateful glint of his eyes. That was so much fun and just a little terrifying to watch. Maybe I can join next time. Azula opened her mouth, but Zuko beat her to it. Sure, if you want to get your butt kicked. Sokka squawked. Hey, I trained under Pianato too. I'm just as good as you. And what land, your dreams? Watching Zuko bicker with Sokka, where had he learned to banter like this? When? Surrounded by the little pond and their calm minion friends, Azula felt the storm under her skin calm. It would take a while, and maybe a lot of her and the Avatar's friends looking out for him, but Azula knew her brother would be just fine. You and I, we have one thing in common. We both care about Zuko. Can we work together to keep him alive? I'm sad.